the Off Grid Pet Things Podcast. Hi, it's episode 32 of the Off Grid Prep Family Podcast. It's been a few days. Yeah, we've been really busy. You know, it's August. Yeah. And so today is part one of two of how to prep your off-grid home for EMPs and CMEs. For the few of you that probably don't know, uh, EMP stands for an electromagnetic pulse. Yeah. Uh, it's any strong burst of electromagnetic energy can cause electronic devices to suddenly stop functioning. Yeah. Uh, I think we might have had one of those ourselves. Yeah. Um, it was a few months ago and we had a newer car and an older car and the newer car I went out and suddenly the battery was dead yeah made no I had no idea why wouldn't turn on wouldn't turn on yeah. so I had I boosted it and uh, or I charged the battery with my the little charger I have in the mm-hmm. house I fired it up and it's been fine ever since yeah um, but the older car it fried all sorts of stuff it fried the alternator yeah yeah and these happened at the exact same time yeah I that noticed them maybe a few days apart and we had trouble with or three other electrical things there. We did. We lost our, our inverter. Yeah. Our, well, the charger component of mm-hmm. our hybrid inverter just stopped working. And uh, there were a couple other things, a too. A pump. A pump quit. A pump quit. Yeah. yeah. A pressure uh, switch. Yeah. That's was, right. The yeah. pressure switch. Yeah. And this all happened within. Strange. Yeah. It was all. We noticed it all within like 24 hours. It was quite. It odd. was. So we are just now starting to realize the importance of having protection yes. against these things. <laughs> Um, in the prepping world, an EMP, we're usually talking about, like, a uh, weaponized EMP, but technically it's anything that comes. Yeah, it could happen from a coronal mass ejection yeah. from the sun. And so that's what usually people call a CME. Like, the Carrington event back in 1859, that was when there wasn't a whole lot of electricity, so it didn't cause, like, a whole lot of problems, right? Mm-hmm. But even then, it blew out all the transistor lines you know the oh the the telegraph lines the telegraph lines, yeah, yeah. And, yeah and like there was fires in telegraph stations and it took them a long time to recover even just from that with the limited amount of power that was in the world back then um there was a lloyd's of london study in may of 2013 where they studied what would happen if there was a carrington level event now and you know the extended power outage and how long it would take to get the grid and infrastructure back up and running and they say that it would take between four and ten years for a full recovery and uh, up to 90% of the people in North America would die within one year yeah because people are prepared yeah yeah and then and then all sorts of other things happen like looting and violence because that's what people do when there's no repercussions for doing yeah you remember when those floods were in vancouver yeah. just this year it was amazing how quickly it was a it was a uh, cop yeah. talking on the news and he said i've never i had no idea it would happen this fast there were people stealing gas within like hours yeah yeah like Normal openly people who normally are law-abiding yeah. turned non-law-abiding violent immediately pretty quickly no yeah. we didn't experience that with our flood that we were in no. It was the opposite. People really stuck together. So yeah. I, I, I guess it depends where you live. And maybe I guess it depends on the type of people. It's like old people. They just get to be more of what they normally are. Mm-hmm. Some old people turn into total sweeties and some old people turn into crotchety. And frankly, you know with the last two years, times have changed drastically. Yeah. Like really drastically. And people are on it. Suddenly we people s- are polarized. We saw that as well. Um, 
in the little short power outage uh, ATM cell phone internet outage we had here in Canada right, a few weeks ago. Right. And we live in one of the nicest places in the country. Very nice place. Super yeah. cute country grocery store. Culturally Four, nice, I mean. Four hours in yeah. to this outage, 8.30 in the morning, people were starting to get pretty loud and belligerent at the grocery store. Yeah, I've never and seen anything like it. And it did not take very long. No, it didn't. So, we had to take a quick break and talk about, I think, fittingly, EMP Shield. <laughs> Thank you, EMP Shield, for sponsoring today's episode. You can get an EMP Shield to protect your car, your generator, your whole home. They even have special ones of different sizes for your inverters and solar panels and all your solar gear. And you can get $50 off each unit, which is a pretty big deal. If you use the code OGPF, go to our website, offgridpetfamily.com, go to the Friends and Affiliates page, and there's a link there for you. EMP Shield. You'll want to get one after this episode. Yeah, I do. (laughs) So, So yeah, you mentioned that um, the U.S. House of Representatives had a congressional report Mm -hmm. which said that an EMP attack could lead to the deaths of up to 90% of Americans within one year. In addition to that, uh, they say recovery time, I mean, it depends largely on the availability availability of spare equipment. Right, like those transformers, they're not interchangeable. No, and if new transformers need to be ordered, the lead time is likely to be a minimum of five months, but they come from China. So yeah. good, good luck with that. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> the total economic cost that they, that they forecast was estimated up to $2.6 trillion U.S. And that was 10 years ago almost. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, there's people who scoff at the possibility of such attack, but both apparently, I didn't know this, both North Korea and Iran have publicly declared their intent to attack America in this specific way. Yeah, like specifically. Specifically. <laughs> uh, Russia's being aggressive against their neighbors and they're, you know, it's just... China's getting aggressive. It's, yeah, it's getting crazy. Yeah. Uh, but an EMP is a much more efficient use of nuclear arms than blowing up cities. Yeah. And actually, this I did know, the way that they do it is they detonate a nuke way up in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't... Uh, you, you, you probably hear it, but... You might see, like, sort of lightning... Yeah. Aurora Borealis type stuff. And I wonder if... You might not lo- even know what's happening. No, and I wonder if a lot of that weird weather that's happening, especially in the States, is that's what's happening. Yeah, maybe. Right? Um, so we might already be under attack. Mm-hmm. The media will never They're let just, us know. Yeah, you they won't will know never let us know. Late. No. Uh, wartime strategy used to be to get everybody excited about it so they'd lay their lives down <laughs> but now wartime strategy is keeping your citizens Just completely gaslight. in the dark yeah. gaslight like crazy so anyway bottom line is north america appears to be woefully under unprepared mm-hmm. for such an attack yeah so there are two main reasons why an emp is such a major threat yeah. as far as prepping first the e1 and e2 pulses they overload all those fragile electronic circuits they just like fry all the components and then the e3 pulse creates this massive surge in the power lines which overloads all the substations and transformers and melts them down so even if you could fix your little electronics or even if you have spares you now have no way to use them so uh, i've i mean from an engineering standpoint to try and make it uh simple what happens is the electromagnetic pulse actually induces electron flow it it changes magnetism to electricity for a very short period of time mm-hmm. so it actually it's like one of those sci-fi movies where the robot suddenly wakes up like right. in transformers <laughs> that's what it would be like but yeah. it would fry just fry everything you'd never know yeah uh and then 
It'll also attack, you know, electronics that are connected to your home and office, mm -hmm. anything that's connected to an outlet. Yeah. Um, only a CME mostly only fries stuff that's connected to the grid mm. or like a long antenna, uh, but an EMP will fry basically everything, even if it's not plugged in. Wild. So while the process of surviving a nuclear blast or a lightning storm or a CME or an EMP is a little bit different, the general advice is basically the same. So regardless of whether it's like a weaponized thing or a CME or whatever, the best thing you can do is number one, prepare ahead of time so yeah. that you're not making these decisions, you know, in the moment. Yeah. Know your disaster plan. Mm -hmm. Know who's going to go get what kid, where yeah. you're going to meet. Yeah. You know, um, shelter in place or get home ASAP. Mm -hmm. Avoid the general population by having a stockpile of food and water and have a plan for living without electricity or for generating your own. And we're hoping that you're working on that now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You really have to avoid the chaos that's going to be happening in populated areas. And don't underestimate how quickly it turns to chaos. Yeah, it's it's going to happen fast. Yeah. I think maybe that's be part of the design of the last two years is to get everybody... Amped up. Amped up angry, so that to be able to create chaos faster. Edge. Yeah. yeah. And, and they've succeeded. Yeah. If that's the plan, they've succeeded. Yeah. You go into the city, everyone just has like the tiniest... Mm -hmm. you know amount of patience left well and the opinion on just the getting the shot just yeah. that one opinion has polarized everybody split like suddenly everybody's split it's ridiculous it is really ridiculous yeah. so, so if you live in the city you need to bug out asap before anyone else even realizes what's happened yeah well, everyone else is waiting for that power to come on yeah. you're gone look okay. it straight yeah. up uh, a pop apocalyptic type yeah. movie and and that the power isn't coming back on and people aren't going to realize it at first and yeah. you need to take advantage of that sort of confusion yeah and shelter in place i mean minimum three weeks but i'm gonna say like three months oh yeah minimum like, yeah if you're in your car and it stopped running try disconnecting and reconnecting the battery that will often work yeah, that's what I did with our our newer SUV. Yeah. Is I took the battery out because I had I didn't have a car to boost it with because right. both cars were dead, <laughs> and so I charged it. And I think that process may have reset things. Mm -hmm. uh, newer cars do have uh, they do have a lot of shielding that they didn't used to even ten years ago. Yeah. And but they have more things that can go wrong. They like have more things that can go wrong, but they have better protection now. Yeah, and so if it'll at least hopefully make it run again yep. some of your electronics might be glitchy mm -hmm. but it might still get you home it might um if not hopefully you have your get home bag in the car with a good pair of shoes yeah if you were in work clothes yeah because you're in for a hike and you need to do it preferably on back roads and not on the highway because there's going to be a lot of cars stopped and a lot of cars that have crashed into each other when they stopped working yeah yeah it's chaos on the yeah. highway i it would be like big trucks would be kind of scary they yeah. do have pneumatic systems in place the way they work is if the thing dies the air basically releases and the brakes clamp shut but they wouldn't have any control no it would be hard for them to steer yeah but they would basically lock up and skid to a stop yeah. that's that's kind of how they're built um it's not it's not electronic and then the highways would be full of people who yeah. are stranded yeah and ja one one jack you right one jackknife truck yeah. and that whole highway shut down mm -hmm. like everything's so precarious yeah so We'll talk about a little bit more about the truth about cars in an EMP or a CME. Yeah. Um, 
Nobody knows for sure, and there are too many variables to be really confident. But there was one study done by the EMP Commission that looked at vehicle susceptibility. Yeah. They only tested a few dozen cars, and they were trying not to damage them. So they started with very low levels, slowly cranking up the intensity of the electromagnetic pulse, and they stopped as soon as the car experienced any sort of fault. Not, I guess, not really a very realistic test, yeah. but it did find that only 70% of vehicles experienced an anomaly. The anomaly often went away after the car was turned off or the battery was disconnected and reconnected. Some had a few electronic bugs, but for the most part, the car was still drivable. Now, what was the intensity of the test they did? It's unclear. There's just too many factors in an EMP blast. Height, distance, direction, fast pulse, the age of your car, the placement of the wiring, the, the kind of pulse, the voltages. It's a really gray area, which is why a lot of people think it's not possible. But maybe it's just easier to just put something on your car and just be sure, I, because no I, one knows. I think so, yeah. That yeah. Um, If you go to empshield.com, uh, which of course is our first sponsor today. They have a, a whole vehicle protection unit. It's on sale. It's on sale today for 389 US, and with our code OGPF, you get another fifty dollars off. So that's 339 US. That's so that's how much. You not have to replace all the electronics yeah, in your car. Yeah, which is nearly impossible. <laughs> so, Dr. Arthur Bradley, the branch head EMI engineer at NASA. And he's the author of the Survivalist series, which is a fiction series where he tries to teach the readers through the story. And he's the author of Disaster Preparedness for EMT, EMP Attacks and Solar Storms. He says that most running cars would experience an anomaly, but if the vehicle is not operating, it will probably be okay. So that's good to know. Mm -hmm. If your car is off, it'll probably be okay. So unless you do a ton of driving, odds yeah. are you're probably fine. Or you just keep a car at home that's not great, but mm -hmm. it's fine. Yeah. Um, there will be plenty of vehicles that are destroyed, depending on their proximity to the pulse, of course. And plenty of vehicles that will survive uh, or they'll be repairable. If only 20% of the cars in operation currently on the roadway suddenly stop working, that's enough to cause unbelievable chaos <laughs> one of them yeah. going to hear it'd be carmageddon yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh it would be a very serious situation um but maybe not like like the way that you read in fiction novels where every single car stops working except for somebody's really cool old 72 trans am not every single car is going to be toast, but yeah. enough cars will be toast that if yours is working, it makes you a target. And that is true. The old cars, like if it's a carbureted car, yeah. um, uh, if it's running on even older still on what they call points, this is pre-spark uh, uh, pre plugs or pre-distributor -dis cap, mm -hmm. then yeah, it's probably... want to keep one of those around. It probably doesn't run very well anyway because it's <laughs> bad technology, but it'll, it'll run. It'll get you from A to B. Yeah. So if a solar flare or a CME probably won't damage most vehicles, it would still damage anything connected to the power grid or any large antenna. Mm -hmm. uh, small freestanding electronics that aren't currently plugged into the grid would probably not be uh, like affected by a solar event. Yeah, CME. You can get apps that warn you about solar flares, 
There's mm. like four of them, and they usually give you some lead time, like at least a day. Nice. So you could choose to just disconnect all your sensitive electronics mm -hmm. every time you get a warning on your app, right. just in case. Yep. The worst thing about a CME would be the amount of time it takes to replace all those damaged transformers and the chaos that would ensue for yeah. people who don't on the power have off-grid off -grid power. And just everybody who doesn't, you know, if everything's based on refrigeration or yeah. even just the air conditioning. People, like people just aren't prepared. No. Yeah. No. So build a Faraday cage and maybe store extras of your electronics, mm -hmm. communications gear, your radios, a hard drive. Faraday cage they're pretty easy yeah they you know it's a simple thing to do mm -hmm. um so it a faraday cage is basically a any kind of metallic cage yeah uh, it can be made out of wire mesh but it's got to be really solid yeah um so for example you can use a metal garbage can um lined with cardboard or something and so that the like antennas and stuff on your devices don't yeah. touch the outside yeah basically what you're protecting against is it's like um it, it acts like water and I run into that a lot where electricity acts like water or acts yeah. like a liquid. It penetrates things in mm -hmm. weird ways if you're not protected and insulated. Yeah. So that's what you're protecting against, but you're doing it with metal. Okay. And so little cracks, everything has to be sealed as best you can. You can use some aluminum like duct tape, not duct tape like the, the what we think of duct tape, but the actual foil tape that they professionally use to seal ducts. Right. It's, it's like actual metal a, tape. Like a thing you peel off of it? A backing, okay. yeah. Um, so talking about far field RF energy, it doesn't really matter if it's grounded or not. Okay. Your Faraday cage, it shields without a, without a ground. So, okay. but you have to fill those seams and cracks as okay. best you can. Uh, 60 decibels of shielding is, uh, will result in 99.9% .9 of the field being reduced. Okay. And, um, people do the same thing with ammo cans, I guess. Yeah. You just need to pay attention to that long seam where the yep. lid closes. Yeah. People tend to worry about little pinholes, but it's not the pinholes that get you. It's the long, narrow seams or the cuts mm -hmm. that you need to worry about. They act as what's called a slot antenna, which is a very efficient way to bring in energy. So you can use, as you said, that ducting tape or conductive gaskets of like copper or something you mm -hmm. can put them around the lid if you don't want to be taken off that aluminum duct tape over and over and over again every time you open and close it mm -hmm. um well-grounded metal roofing can help protect the inside of your house from an emp depending on how far away you are from the blast yep um one layer of two inch chicken wire only gives you about 10 db of protection but if you've got two layers of one inch chicken wire, like if you live in a straw bale house, it could give you 40 dB. Which is which close. It's decent. Yeah. As far as protecting your entire home. A aluminum foil apparently gives you 50 dB. So it's we... It's not perfect, but it's better than nothing. We accidentally built may have built a... a Faraday a, cage a, home. <laughs> a, a, not a very good Faraday cage, but, but better than nothing. If yeah. you're far away enough from the center of the blast, it might be enough to save everything in your home. Yeah. You can create a large Faraday cage for your generator or your spare solar gear. Yep. If your solar gear is hooked up to big wires and panels, a Faraday cage is compromised because it's connected with a wire and it probably right. won't work. So that's where the EMP shield solar gear comes in. Mm, yep. So empshield.com also sells protection for solar arrays and there's a whole range of them here depending on your well mostly depending on your solar voltage 
So for example, a lot of grid-tied applications are up in the high 500s uh, volt DC. So they have a 600 volt uh, EMP shield for large solar applications, it's 529. And then they have a 24 volt DC, a 48 volt DC. Uh, they have a one with a bit of a range in here for small stuff, which goes from 90 to 120 volt. So it all depends on the type of solar array that you have. And they're all, they all range from 389 up to 579, okay. more or less. And that's at empshield.com. It's worth checking out because yeah. we have thousands of dollars worth of solar gear. Yeah. So that would be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> um, there is a way to put ferrites on your PV wires up on each solar panel to reduce the susceptibility of, oh, okay, of yep. the panels. Okay. Right. Um, ferrites are just like ferrous material and you clip them onto each cable. Mm -hmm. So um, I might be wrong about no, this. No, it's fine. As current flows down the wire, it generates a magnetic field around that wire. This is all electrical wires having a magnetic field okay. around them all the time. And uh, there are many factors to the intensity of that magnetic field. So what happens is the ferrite concentrates that magnetic field and when the current tries to suddenly change, the ferrite resists the change in the magnetic field. That's really cool. I, th I'm amazing. just learning about this, but as I'm explaining it, uh, that that makes sense to me. So that, that would that would actually work really well. You just clip it on the wire every so often. So it just prevents It, it prevents wire. a surge. Okay. Basically, it's like a surge protector for your wire. Okay, and so you just put one on every single panel, yep. and then your panels probably would be fine. Yeah. There are, on solar panels, there are what they call bypassed diodes or reverse polarity diodes. Um, they're on every solar panel just to prevent sparking. Um, they can burn out, but if they burn out, they're, they're generally pretty cheap. So you want, might want to find out what kind... You can buy them in electronics or uh, online electronic shops like DigiKey for pennies and okay. Amazon. And uh, so if, just open up your panel and there will be some numbers on the diodes themselves. Just write those numbers down. You know, put them in the search bar at Amazon or DigiKey or wherever, and you can probably have you probably get a few dozen of them in stock. But um, that's one of those things where if you don't have it ahead of time, yeah, then you're just a ship adrift, and oh. your off-grid system is now useless. So many parts like that to have ahead of time. We're still I there are many many parts that I wish I had extras of. Yeah. We just you know we have a ton of redundancy, and we still we're would still like want yeah more we redundancy. want more. Um, um, you want to try and keep your wire run short if possible. Yeah. Uh, keep your solar panels closer to your inverter. We recently moved ours further away, but it was just for the logistics of the sun. Yeah. But um, the, the shorter the wires, it would just reduce the likelihood yep. that your solar yep. gear is going to get fried, right? Mm -hmm. um, solar panels might be fine, though they might lose about 10% of their output capability. That'll probably only affect you, you know, um, in the fall, they spring. Might not, yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the ferrites the and just having some extra bypass diodes, yeah. I mean, it'd be so easy. Yeah, it's it really would. It's such an easy yeah. fix. And you should keep backups of all your solar gear anyways. If you can, yeah. an inverter. Even if it's not, like, as big of a one as your main one, at least keep something. Yeah, extra inverter, inverter extra charge controller. Just to keep your freezer limping along or yeah. something. Yeah. If you keep it in a Faraday cage, that's probably even mm -hmm. better so that's how to protect yeah, your a few solar. <laughs> really good fairly cheap ways to protect your solar panels yeah. uh let's talk about radios and cell phones right uh will they work 
there are some things that work in radio and cell phones favor and some things that work against them. So the smaller the conductor and the little traces that are inside a device, the less efficient it is at taking in the EMP that's trying to destroy it. Yeah. So on one hand, that's in their favor. All those tiny little circuits and yeah. components. But on yeah. the other hand, small devices often also have tiny, small microchips that can't take any variation in power without frying. Right. And radios and cell phones have antennas that are specifically designed to bring in and amplify any RF energy. Mm, so yep. it's very likely that anything with an antenna would suffer damage. A turned off cell phone that's unplugged might be fine, but the network would be down. But you could, if you had a spare cell phone in your Faraday cage, it could have useful things on it, right? Like you might yep. have your helpful Kindle books or mm -hmm. apps that don't require data or stuff like that. Yeah. And so, moving on from there, we want to talk about home computers and laptops. Right. Uh, basically, they say that if it's plugged in, it'll probably get damaged. Mm -hmm. It'll catch a surge through the power lines, even though it goes through a, a charge converter, like in the little brick that plugs into the wall. Right. Um, antennas and the Bluetooth uh, feature in your laptop makes it more susceptible. I think mine has Bluetooth. I don't know if yours does. Yeah. So an older laptop without yeah. an antenna if you can get your hands on a, yeah on an old used laptop that would probably yeah. be good um i mean if it all goes to heck you're not gonna be on the computer anyway so yeah you know sometimes it's useful sometimes yeah um so it's not it, this isn't really as important but it is important to talk m about backup yeah this thumb drive yeah. hard drive mm -hmm. with all your you can just to save files. your pictures yeah. yeah back your stuff up put it in a foil bag yeah. Like your, your spare hard drive with all your baby pictures and stuff. Flashlights uh, generally will be okay. The more complex and modern, like some of the LED stuff has some circuitry in it now. Yeah. My headlamp. Right. Um, that'll probably be more susceptible to an old... So some old school flashlights. Old school flashlights. still nice and bright. Yeah. It's a good idea. Uh, if you can even find them. I think right. just about everything is LED now. Anymore? Yeah. Um, large appliances... Uh, once again, it depends on the complexity of the, of the electronics. Okay. So our dishwasher has a little circuit board in it. Our deep freeze does not. Right. So the washing machine does. Anything with circuitry, it's probably going to get zapped. So my fancy pants smart fridge with the screen on the front of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, that's, that's a no-go. Yeah. But of course, the biggest threat isn't the, isn't the lack of electronics. It's It's not knowing how to live without electricity. Right. So we're getting into food preservation right it's it, people have survived without electronics since like forever until very very recently yeah so the threats from the emp or a cme come in two forms one not knowing how to live without electricity so like food preservation water waste hygiene all this stuff is easy to do without electricity but mm -hmm. not if you're not set up for it like the one of the simplest things that you don't think about is a lot of septic systems like the, yeah. the there's pumps that pump it from the tank out to the field yeah so you need if you to don't have yeah if you don't have electricity like that's not uh, i know yeah. a lot of people know this and they have backup generators but once again that's fuel based so and if your generator is not protected your generator is not yeah. gonna work either yeah. not properly disposing of human waste is a really quick and really gross way to die oh my gosh like yeah. that's not the way i like want to go that's that's bubonic plague stuff where people are laying not in having the a way to pump from your well yeah and knowing that you have that well there and having no water, that's also a bad way to go. 
right? Yeah. You're looking at all your freeze-dried food and you don't have any water to reconstitute. <laughs> <laughs> These are problems that are easy to fix ahead of time, but nearly impossible to fix during a bad situation. Nearly everything's impossible to fix during that. That's true. It, it all goes to heck. So you could just get your off-grid system set up and safe from an EMP, yep. or you could get a small system right now you and can. add to it later. There's a lot of companies selling these tiny little power packs now, these little yeah. lithium things. It's better than nothing. It's but better than nothing. They're only a few hundred dollars, yeah. some of them. They don't power much, but it is something. Yeah. Set it up. Test mm -hmm. your gear. Don't just keep it in the Amazon box. Yeah. Thinking that you're going to set it up when you yeah, need it. Yeah, some of them have a bit of a learning curve. And odds are you'll be missing one tiny little connector yeah. or a tiny essential piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. And Amazon's not running no. during an EMP. And of course, the biggest thing is people. Yeah, that's the second emergency. factor. That's You can't... Desperate, unprepared people, as we mentioned earlier, get crazy really fast. Yeah. If people are bad people... Our modern society fortunately forces them to behave. Yeah. For the most part, and that's good. And that's they a have really the good thing of modern of what society. They need. Yeah, but it's if, pretty easy to live in North America, mm -hmm. so they don't really have any motivation to act out. No, but if it falls apart, bad people are. It's almost like it's a race to see how much chaos they can cause. Yeah. Now they, a hundred percent of the time, will cause damage to themselves as well because mm -hmm. they're bad people. They're stupid. Mm -hmm. That's what makes bad people. But don't make yourself a target. No. People don't even have more than a couple days worth of food in their home. Did yeah. you know that? Most like people Like on don't. average, people have two to three days worth yeah, of food. Yeah, when insane. you're... So yeah, people will fall apart. And, uh, you know, we all want to try and stick together and help each other. But you got to take care of your family first. Yeah. Um, hungry kids, right? Mm -hmm. High stress situation. Yep. There's going to be looting. And that may cause even good people to do yeah. crazy stuff. Crimes of opportunity when yeah. it becomes apparent that no one else is in charge. Yeah. Most people don't break laws and social norms very often, but when the opportunity arises, oh, yeah. they do surprisingly quickly. Yeah. That's why sheltering in place as soon as you recognize something odd is happening is crucial. Yeah. It's better to do it early and mm -hmm. bug out early or bug in early and be wrong. Yeah, definitely. Have your emergency plan. Know that your spouse has what he or she needs in their car to get them home safely so you don't have to worry about them. Mm -hmm. You can even go so far as to plan which trees to fell across your driveway. Mm -hmm. So like... If I know that you're at work and something weird is happening, mm -hmm. there's like a tree marked with some white spray paint indiscriminately and you've shown me exactly where to cut it and I just boop that yeah. tree down on the driveway. Yeah. And people often think that you should fell the tree across your driveway, mm -hmm. but it's actually way more detrimental to fell the tree onto the driveway with like the top of the tree poking mm. towards oncoming traffic. I could see that. Yeah. So like you do one across, tree... Yep. towards the traffic traffic, and then one from the other side to lock that tree into place, Right, you're not getting through there. Yep. Um, we would plan to do it about 100 feet back in your driveway if you had the room because that way when your spouse gets home, they still have room to like park their car for sure and then take care of the mess yeah. or whatever. Uh, you can take down your mailbox and your address sign right away. Yeah, you can take down your mailbox and your address sign, make it look like nobody's home. So don't run your generator or light a fire unless it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. Uh, even on, even roosters should get locked inside. But frankly, if it comes down to it, the first thing I'm doing is killing my rooster. Yeah. Because they'll never shut up. They're always going to let people know. It's not worth the yeah. op operational security. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, don't let it look like your house is the one with the cool prepper stuff in it. Yep. And be prepared to practice the five Ds. Deter, detect, deny, delay, and defend. And I guess that's pretty much it for this episode. Um, we uh, want to thank everybody, especially EMP Shield, for being our sponsor today. It looks like some really great products. And uh, we Thanks have for a listening. yeah. And we hope that you'll share this podcast with a friend if you found it helpful. So sometimes you turn left on life's road. Sometimes you turn right. But once you've made that decision, you have to march ahead and push through anything in your way. Never waste time thinking about what would have been like if you'd taken the other path. And that's by Arthur T. Bradley. All right. Thanks, everybody.